You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. There's a lot of toxicity that exists in the social media universe and in the online business space right now. On a daily basis, we are exposed to hustle culture, the idea that working more is better. We're exposed to influencers who are selling us products they've never even tried before. There are coaches using fancy cars and designer handbags to project that they're living a dream lifestyle when in reality, they are just as scared as you that they won't be able to pay off their next credit card statement. I can't even believe that this is where we've landed, but it's real. When we really step back and look at what's happening, we can see that many of these toxic business rituals are rooted in insecurity and scarcity, and many of them are just plain unethical. As business owners, it is our duty to stay true to our moral code and to build a business that's reflective of our core values. Since we often pass along what we were taught to our communities, we have to adopt the top-down mentality whereby better, more conscious businesses start with us. This is exactly what our guest of the show today will be addressing. When thinking about how I could introduce the topic of ethical business to you, my visionaries, an incredible entrepreneur named Natalie Bright came came to mind. Natalie Bright is a writer, educator, mentor, and consultant for the topics of ethical business ideation, branding, content marketing, service development, and transformative leadership. In this episode, Natalie and I talk about how she stumbled into the realm of conscious business and what exactly it means to build a business consciously. We talk about the top business and marketing trends that she's seen thus far in 2021, how we can shift back to a people over profit model, the problem with manipulative marketing, why she encourages her community to turn up the rebel, revolutionary, and visionary archetypes right now, and so much more. If you want to build a business that aligns with your values, that feels good in your conscience, and that is reflective of your mission in life, this is the episode for you. Enjoy my conversation with Natalie Bright and be sure to connect with her at nataliebright.com. From there, you can see all of the wonderful work that she does and connect with her on her social media channels. And I will see you on the other side of this episode for a little recap. Natalie, welcome to the Visionary Life Podcast. I've been such a, a fan of the work and the content that you're putting out there ever since one of my students, shout out to Sandra, she actually tagged me in some of your Instagram content and she said, I think you're going to jive with Natalie's approach to business. And so sure enough, I, I followed the tag and went down the rabbit hole of what you've been talking about around ethical business and authenticity and creativity and sustainability. And these words, they are literally the heartbeat of our visionary life community because we just don't see enough leaders talking about these really vital principles of building a business. And so I can't wait to dive into this today with you. So welcome to the show. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. So to begin, could you tell us a little bit of how you found your way into studying and talking about conscious business and ethical leadership? Yeah, so it's been it's been a wild journey. Like I I didn't intend for any of it to happen. 
Um, funny enough, I previously had gone to college for art and philosophy. So I was really deeply entrenched in studying design and branding and art, but also philosophy, ethics, um, sociology, like that kind of stuff as well. And so it always was a really um, important thing for me to kind of blend creativity and expression and authenticity with also kind of the intersections of um, ethics and um, just how we function in the world. Mm -hmm. And so after being in school and stuff um, and not really yet knowing where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do, I stumbled into the entrepreneurial realm and kind of started taking that avenue, um, not really even knowing I was doing it. it was kind of just following the breadcrumbs along the way, uh, which led me into starting to do coaching and um, just working with people with a lot of the concepts that now I'm, I'm super anchored in. And so just over the years, it kind of evolved to the point where as I was working more and more with small business owners and entrepreneurs, I started just realizing um, the underlying kind of system we were functioning in that was really harmful and and just not um, not the vision of the world that I have personally. And so that was what kind of took me into this realm of like conscious business and ethical entrepreneurship um, that supported me in building out my conscious business method framework and uh, just kind of really anchoring into how can we sort of flip the entire industry upside down and and actually practice some some ways of doing business that really centers the well-being of ourselves society and the planet and so the more i kind of embraced that the more i realized how critical it was to embrace that of like this is a non-negotiable if we want a sustainable future for ourselves as a whole so yeah mm -hmm. kind of just following the the wave of passion and and things that i really love and build a business around it basically mm -hmm. it's so funny because the more and more that i host these podcasts it's not always the story of i was just born this way and i knew exactly what i wanted to do but so much more often it's i just kept putting one foot in front of the other i said yes to opportunities i tried things and you know it wasn't my calling and then i ended up here and i'm sure you're of the mentality um, i'm the same way that you know, you may not be doing this exact thing in 10 years either because you're going to keep following the breadcrumbs. Is that how you approach the future of your business? Totally. And that's exact that I'm kind of in that season right now um, where I kind of look at it of like in comparison to nature of, you know, nature is constantly going through phases of, uh, you know, plant life cycle, animal life cycle, ecosystem life cycle. And there's a constant like death and birth cycle of, you know, when a cycle is completed, the being, whether it be a plant or anything, plant seeds and moves on and regenerates and goes to starts again, you know? And so it's like, mm -hmm. I'm very much actually in that space right now of like, um, I've completed a cycle, I think of my career that now I'm starting to plant seeds in other places. And so it is, it's like, I think, keeping an, an open mind to there is no end all be all way of how to do business. Mm -hmm. And we don't have to stay in like the confinements of how maybe we see people online doing business that doesn't have to be where we end, we can completely like redefine ourselves over and over again, and just keep following mm -hmm. where those little breadcrumbs lead us. Mm -hmm. And one of the coolest things about having a business too, is that as you continue to grow and evolve as a leader and as a CEO of your business and continue to kind of dig into who you really are at your core, that is nice to be able to be reflected in your business, right? Like you can change and then maybe launch something entirely different and just say, you know what, I've changed and I want to bring you all with me on this journey of growth and evolution. And they always say that your business grows in direct correlation to how you grow as a leader. Yeah. And I so believe that to be true if you're willing to kind of honor that process and roll with the punches. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It's like a total surrender and just like go with the flow, which is really challenging. 
Mm -hmm. So you mentioned something that I want to double tap on. You said as you were kind of growing your business, you started to see some harmful business systems that we were functioning in. Um, And I'm curious, what are some examples of these harmful systems that you thought, I'm not really okay with copying these other models. I'm going to go do my own thing and find this conscious business, conscious leadership. Yeah. Yeah. So that's such a good question because like the way I kind of see it is, um, it's an overarching system of like addiction to growth. So I call it growth mania. We're in like a system of constant growth mania that everything else roots from that. So we see it a lot, especially in like the online business realms. We see this constant hustle, constant grind. It's never enough. We always need more money, more sales, more clients, more offerings, more launches, more followers, more likes, more. It's like this addiction to constantly getting more. Um, But then that, that depletes everything. So it's like this, uh, addiction to the growth and the progress and um, the chase, Mm -hmm. then ultimately like we can't exist in a constant state of growth, but yet we're forcing ourselves into that. And so Mm -hmm. in the process, it leads to burnout, depletion, overwhelm, exhaustion. We've depleted our soil completely, you know, and and now it's not even nutrient rich enough for us to actually keep planting things in it. So Mm -hmm. that's really that's the area that I see being the most harmful because then we, through that growth mania obsession, we drive business with profit first over people, over what's best for the planet. And mm-hmm. so we see a lot of like manipulation marketing, like really mm-hmm. yucky, slimy, um, manipulative ways of selling, branding ourselves, marketing, um, which a lot of it's rooted in like a false image too, right? Like a very kind of the highlight reel or, you know, like this performative type of thing, um, which ultimately then really negatively impacts our community members because they're getting this growth mania approach, false image, performative type of branding. And then that's what we're telling them is the standard of they should want that too. And so Mm -hmm. we, by proxy, push a growth mania approach onto our community and then the cycle continues, you know? So I think like that's one thing that really empowers me is to think about at the micro level scale, we as business owners, if we shift our model into sustainability instead of growth mania, that's then setting a new standard for our community so they don't function in that way our industry, so our industry can shift. And then by by proxy, it's gonna shift society and the planet. So it's like owning our micro level impact as a way to shift the macro level of the world. Hmm. That's incredible. It's um, so much of what I've been thinking about over the last five or so years, because as I was starting my online business, I was taking all these programs and courses and they were mostly taught by men. And a lot of the principles, you know, they work in some situations, but a lot of them were rooted in false urgency, false scarcity, uh, a pushy sales approach. And I tried that, but it never quite felt right. And I thought, well, why isn't this working for me? And I thought this is not at all aligned with my core values or how I want to be connecting with my, my clients. And even most recently, I've kind of taken away launches in my business because I realized that that actually forces someone to start on a certain date or to say yes to you, potentially out of pressure or fear that when that door closes, they can no longer access the program. And the last thing that I would ever want is for somebody to buy when they're not feeling super safe, like 100% safe. And it's interesting because I just don't think you can rush um, a client's journey. And so I've gotten to more of a enroll anytime you want model, which I know is not what I've been taught or not even maybe the most advantageous for growth. But like you said, this is not growth mania. This is about making clients feel safe because when a client feels safe, they have an epic journey with you. They'll give you a great testimonial. You push them to spend like $10,000 by a certain start date. In what world does that support a client? So it's really interesting. 
It's so, it's so powerful to think in those realms because I did the same thing of like going into this year when I, when I ended last year, I was like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll probably launch this and that. And then I came into January and I was like, I had already stepped, I've been on a social media sabbatical. And so I already had stepped away from that. And that like opened my eyes to a lot of, like a lot of just how the system's functioning. And I realized I don't want to launch anything and I don't want to participate in that like high pressure container. And even to the, the degree of like, now I'm even questioning, like, do I create more flexible like containers of time that I work with people of like, well, it could be this or this, depending Mm -hmm. on what you want. Like, instead of putting these barriers around everybody of like, you should be at this place by three months of working with me. Otherwise you're, you didn't do the work. You know, it's like all these pressurized, we should rapidly grow in these little containers of time that or make purchasing decisions or things like that, that it's just, it's not good for any of us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's totally um, making me think of kind of the Gary Vaynerchuk mentality. You even mentioned the word hustle a few times. And I think there's definitely a crew of people who love that and embrace that. And especially when you're just getting started and you're feeling that fire and you have the time and energy, go for it. But then there's this whole other um, like, t- opposite mentality that's like that is not what we should be doing and what is he saying and you know again it's like you can find these gurus and mentors and programs in the early stages but at a certain point it's like you have to come back home and ask what feels good for you so for any of the business owners listening like if a process or a certain you know system you have implemented in your work is just not ringing true anymore. It is okay to challenge that and say, well, what would actually align with what I believe or how I want my community to feel? And I just love that you're all about this. (laughs) Yeah. And it is, it's, it's wild. Cause I mean, I spent, I would say, cause I've been in business now for seven years and I would say I spent over half of that time in pure hustle and grind like complete hustle and grind, even, even trying to claim that it's, it's aligned hustle. It's I'm, I'm in flow, but I'm still grinding. And that's one thing also, I think that's really dangerous that we see nowadays is this like, you know, do it from a space of alignment or do it with ease. Is there really truly a way that we can hustle and grind ourselves to the bone in an easeful flowy way? (laughs) Mm -hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. And so it's like realizing that we will tell ourselves anything to stay in that growth mania way because we think that's the only way to survive. Mm -hmm. And so it's like retraining our entire way of existing in this world to realize that's just one phase of our life cycle. Growth is just one part. There are many other phases that if we don't nurture them, we now are not sustainable in the long run. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that you say like these growth cycles and phases and you you relate a lot of things to nature. And, you know, right now in Canada where I live, we are in the depths of winter. Like it's minus 20 degrees Celsius, short days. Um, You know, a lot of people are hibernating. And there are days when I don't feel like outputting at 120%. And now I've realized like nature, like this is my season to hibernate, to sleep a little bit, to, to step back and actually look at my business as a whole and uh, maybe just do a little bit more thinking and introverted work. So I think that's cool that you tie in those nature principles to the life cycle of an entrepreneur. Yeah. And like, I love using it in a way of thinking, okay, what phase am I currently in? Mm -hmm. What phases have I been bypassing or not even allowing to exist? Because it is, I mean, if you, if you run your speed and pace of your business based off of the speed and pace of like status quo, like the norm, you will 100% get into the growth mania phase. And that's the only phase that exists. So it's like, you have to pull back into yourself and say like, how am I nurturing all phases of my own business's evolution and, and journey? Otherwise, like you're going to hit that wall and and there's going to be no like nurtured ground to keep building off of. 
a quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. I think you mentioned in one of your podcasts that right now or previous to this, you were in a phase of what you called ghosting and coasting, which was maybe your (laughs) way of saying like, I need to pull back a little bit, self-care, maybe avoid burnout. Can you just describe a little bit of why you decided to do that? And, you know, are you still in this phase right now? Yeah. Yeah. I laugh because um, at the end of uh, 2020, I had kind of just a moment of stop, like a moment of what you're doing, you cannot continue to do. And it was primarily in relation to social media usage. And um, for most of my years in, in online business, I poured a lot of time and energy in nurturing my social media presence. And that's kind of the way we think we have to, in order to, you know, succeed online, we have to use these social platforms. And um, the problem with that, you know, isn't so much the using of it, it's the way in which the platforms use us. And so there's a lot of, you know, I mean, you jump on Instagram and every week there's a new feature, a new this, a new that. So then as a business owner, in order to keep up and get visible, you have to be using that, learning how to use it. And it just, the amount of work that has compounded in using social media for business, I hit a wall in December and I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't, I don't want to participate in this. I don't want to try to keep up. And so I was like, it's time for a sabbatical, like a real true step away from social media, not a, I'm just going to take a a detox this weekend um, type of thing. And, and that's one thing that's really interesting with, you know, online businesses were taught a lot of times like, okay, you know, take a, take a social media detox, take a weekend off or whatever. But the mere idea of that is we need to step away from something that's toxic to us. But what we normally do then is go right back into the toxic system full speed again, where we almost use those detoxes as like recharge so you have enough energy to keep going at that speed again. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it was like, I just wanted to get away from all of that. And so in December of 2020, I said to my partner, I need to like ghost and coast. This is like a ghost and coast. So it's kind of like an inside joke with us now, like ghost and coast of like, just step away and let things just maintain for a little bit. Don't be trying to do anything or no deadlines, no pushing, no hustle, no launching, nothing. And just let things be and see what the next cycle is. Cause that was when I realized where I am, it's a closure of that cycle. And there are other things I want to be birthing that aren't in that cycle anymore. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of been, um, the beginning of this year has been a lot of tinkering and exploring and researching to set the foundation for this new cycle I'm stepping into. Mm. Such a magical time to be in. I'm kind of in that phase too of just tinkering and feeling sometimes a little uncomfortable that I don't have things that I'm reaching towards and deadlines, but I know everything is kind of brewing inside my mind and I've got, you know, just chart paper everywhere trying to figure out like, what is this? Like, I feel something inside of me, but, um, you know, just waiting until it all comes together and all the pieces start to fit. So it's definitely a fun time. So if somebody asks you today, Natalie, tell me about your business. What do you offer? Can you give us a snapshot of what exists already that you're currently uh, working with clients on? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, as simply as I can put it, I teach, write and mentor on um, building a conscious business from the ground up. Um, My specialty kind of resides primarily in 
uh, foundational work, so concept and plan, so the foundation of your actual entity, and then uh, branding, so ethical branding, concept, plan, creating your entire brand from the inside out, and then marketing practices and production practices, so the service and product development and delivery process. So I kind of do, um, I do teaching and, and kind of working with business from the inside out and the ground up of like first developing the actual entity itself, the concept, and then building out the frameworks that are going to support you Mm -hmm. in moving your, your concept to the vision you have. So that's kind of like the overarching right now. Mm -hmm. And you do that both through existing online courses and live coaching. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I do a lot of, um, I work heavily with one-to-one mentees. So I do a lot of like one-to-one containers um, with small businesses, solopreneurs, even teams and organizations. So I even work like I, right now I work with, um, a legal firm. Um, I've worked with, uh, like, uh, tech design, you know, companies and stuff like that. So Mm -hmm. I've done like teams and organizations or the individual, like small business solopreneur too. So a lot of one-to-one consulting and coaching. So Mm -hmm. a little bit of both of those realms. And then the other part is more like education and praxis for like students and courses and classes and things like that. Mm. And on top of all that, you also share a lot of free value through your podcast and through um, your existing social media channels. And I actually had a chance to download your Q1 business trends report, which was really cool. And I'm hoping we can actually dive into a few of those principles because I think there's a lot of uh, good juicy nuggets in there that I would love to uh, hear more about your thought perspective on. So let's dive into one. Um, you mentioned in community trends that you're seeing and hoping to see a shift towards flexible and inclusive pricing models or sliding scale pricing. And as I mentioned before we started recording, we have a lot of aspiring and early stage entrepreneurs who listen to this podcast. And, you know, they sometimes have been told like, just pick a price and go with it and charge high value, high ticket offers only. So I'm curious, what is the whole flexible, inclusive sliding scale pricing? What does that mean to you? Yeah, so kind of even playing off of what we were discussing of like, not getting stuck in this framework of like really rushed containers of enrollment process. Um, Also breaking the mold of even how we charge and what our pricing models look like, because there is um, kind of feeding off of the growth media model. The growth media model perpetuates profit as the end all be all goal. So everything is for the sake of profit. So we see in the front end with entrepreneurship and business, um, somewhere along the lines, the standard became the more you charge, the more credible you are, or the more you charge, the more successful you are, where we've placed these bizarre kind of attachments to our pricing models that when you kind of pull the hood back and you examine, you know, maybe a a business behind the pricing, you might actually realize they don't even have any background. They have no like experience, no education. They are literally just kind of regurgitating maybe a course they took or, um, you know, trends. Like they're just jumping on a trend of what's really popular and they're charging really wild pricing claiming they can do this too. So there's just a lot of unethical approach to not only like the service we're offering, but the pricing too. Um, and, and so when you bring in more of like this inclusive, flexible model, it really is about actually getting very honest with how you're pricing and why and where that price is coming from. And is it actually people focused or is it individual profit focused? Because if we really look at a pricing model and ask ourselves that we have to be really transparent with ourselves of like, am I only pricing myself at this round because I want to make this money? Because then that's, that's an, that's an ego, like self-centered driven model. 
if that's your jam, cool, but own it, own, own that and be honest with your community members. Cause otherwise you're practicing really unethical business. Mm-hmm. Um, so like bringing in more of the inclusive model is transparency practices, considering people before personal profit. So what is of the best interest of people? How is my, you know, material accessible for varying types of people, not just people that are really privileged and really, really easily can access money, right? Because like, if we're really honest with where this world is right now, that's not, the 1% isn't the 100%, right? And so it's like understanding that not only we don't exist in a world where everybody is extremely wealthy, but it's also really stressful to put a lot of financial pressure on somebody that's getting started in a journey with you. So any way that you can alleviate pressure and stress for somebody starting to work with you, you're now giving them an empowered purchasing journey, not a disempowered one. And so it might mean, you know, sliding scale payment plans, uh, just offering payment plans and not mm-hmm. inflating the pricing when you offer them or, um, you know, running some scholarships or doing maybe once a quarter you do pro bono, like one pro bono client or something or, um, yeah, just flexibility where also it, it allows your client or, or a student to feel safe to ask you Um, to help them have their needs met financially, right? Of like, if they have a financial hardship and, but they really would benefit from what you're offering, working with them and being willing to have a conversation about money to help meet their needs, right? Rather than like, this is what you got to pay me. And that's all there is to it. If you can't meet that, go rack up credit card debt. So you can like that kind of stuff, you know? Yeah. And it's a reminder for all of us to go back to the why, why are you in business? Because there's always chatter in our ears saying, raise your prices or inflate your payment plans or have really strict boundaries with clients. Like their package expires, even if their mom (laughs) died. And it's like, okay, it's easy to listen to that and say, you're right. Like I should raise my prices. I should have strict boundaries around my time and my energy. However, when you think back to why did I start this business in the first place for a lot of the listeners in this community in particular, it's because you have a heart to serve others and you want to see change in this world. And that's why I love this principle of having flexible pricing and not penalizing people if they can't meet a certain structured pricing and if that why really rings true to you, you do want to offer people maybe a break on payments or create a custom payment form for them because that heart to serve is still there. And, um, I just, I see it so clearly now and I hear you talking about it too. There's this world that exists in the online space of, you know, I'm worth $10,000. And like you said, you don't even know what credibility and you know, more power to them. If, if the buyer feels informed enough and they enjoy what they got out of this $10,000 mindset coaching or whatever it is great. But I do think that there's a lot of misinformation being shared in that world. And a lot of these really stale and harmful practices of, Hey, I'll teach you how to make money, but it's like, what are you actually sharing with them. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty interesting, but, uh, that's why I am so fond of this conversation that we're having, that you can come home to that inner leader of no, like this doesn't feel good in my soul and I'm allowed to do it differently. And, uh, you also said having a pro bono client, um, that's something I don't often talk about, but I think that's such a wonderful way to, give back to your community. And I know that's uh, something else that came up in your Q1 business trends report was to make a name for yourself in the community. So is that one of the ways that you can kind of do that is to offer your work uh, to the people who live in your town or to the local business owners? Totally, totally. And there's so many, there are so many ways to um, establish yourself in a really meaningful way. Um, and I really think it, 
it comes down to prioritizing community care Mm -hmm. of like, okay, you know, I live in Portland and there is always something going on in Portland of like, um, you know, something to get involved in, advocate for, you know, protests, like there's constant stuff going on. And there's always also constant need for things. We have a really horrible uh, homeless issue here. And um, so like, or, you know, another thing, especially for Portland is we have a lot of um, individuals really advocating for indigenous people's rights and and um, getting land back and, and funding and supporting indigenous tribes local. And so I always think about like, okay, with the things going on here that we have crises around an issue around or harm happening to people in my community that I literally physically live in are there ways that i could take my skill set and support are there ways that i could get my skill set in front of people without expecting anything in return like doing it because i love thinking about like you know belonging in community whether it is online or in person every single person in the community has a role to play, right? Like we all have something that we could barter and trade with or give to support the community and overall thriving. And so it's just a matter of thinking about, okay, what's going on in your community, whether it be online or in person Mm -hmm. that you could offer up and contribute something? Like what is it that you can give um, just because you know that that's gonna actually help the community as a whole and and that's all that matters, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, I think one of the easiest examples of that is with COVID. The last twelve months, we've seen so many small businesses having to close their doors. Many of these local businesses across the world have never been forced to have an online presence, right? And so, at the start of COVID, when things were shifting into that online space, it was so beautiful to see a community of people coming together, saying, "Hey, I know how to build websites. I'm." gifted at social media. I am a marketing strategist and rallying around these businesses to support them, knowing that, you know, you're not going to get paid for this work. However, like you said, in that barter, like there is something coming to you in return. And maybe that business mentions your name to another person who ends up becoming your client. And it's getting out of that me, me, me mentality, especially as solopreneurs and people who have personal brands, like it's not about you, right? And uh, we have to get out of that ego that tells us that, you know, it's all about money, profit, profit. And like you say, growth mania, like where's the value there? Um, And we gotta get back to those community roots and get out of our our four walls of our home, which has been difficult, but that's where, um, you know, that true community exists is in that give and take and that exchange of energy. Yep. Totally. Yeah. And it's, it's like realizing that by supporting the community, you're supporting yourself, you know, and that it's just strengthening the, the ecosystem that we are a part of. And so it's like when we remove ourselves from that or only focus on what we want or what we think, you know, we should get or whatever, it ultimately is going to oppress somebody else if it's just individual, you know, focus. So it's like working in more of that, um, like interconnectedness of everything rather than this like independent me for my own, you know? Mm -hmm. It's amazing. One of your other Q1 trends that I want to double tap on was that you were saying that this is the year or the quarter to get creative in turning up the rebel, revolutionary, and innovator archetypes. I'm curious, can you crack that open for us? And, And what do you mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. So the way I kind of see it is because I I take a lot of note from like um, stuff that happens astrologically or just kind of I'm I'm a very big researcher and I love trends. Like I love to study systems and how they function, why they function and maybe what the issues are within them that could be tweaked and changed. And so when it comes to this year for 2021, one of the the trends I kept noticing is there, I mean, we witnessed it all of last year, especially of like last year was more of like a illuminate the, the issues and the things that are just not working for us and not sustainable. Whereas this year it's like, 
start shifting it, start integrating some new ways, which requires that, that like rebel of, Ooh, I'm going to break the mold. I'm going to, I'm going to go against the status quo or like the revolutionary or the, um, pioneer visionary of birthing new. Right. And, and that's the one thing that's so awesome is we have our imagination for a reason, right? Like we have our imagination because we have the power to envision and create new at any given time. But sometimes we're too busy and stuck in the very system that we're in that we can't get that vision to create new. So it's like having to kind of pull out, get a bird's eye view of what we're existing in and saying, this needs change. This could be better. This could be refined. Mm -hmm. Okay. Let's, let's activate my like inner rebel and start changing it. I love using, um, disruptor energy of like, what do you want to disrupt? Like, what is it that you're seeing is just not something you want to continue? Okay, cool. Activate that like um, refusal energy and that disruptor energy and be the the visionary for it. A friend of mine, Michael F. Shine, he just wrote this book called The Hype Handbook. And it's all about creating ethical hype, like not hyping up, you know, a stupid product or something that's not going to be uh, life changing for somebody. But when you have something really good, how do you rally people around your ideas and how do you garner attention or what he calls ethical hype? And one of the questions that he asks all his readers is to basically to figure out like what is that rebellious thing that you want to let out because I think we all kind of have that inside of us but one of the questions he asks is what is a concept that is traditionally regarded as gospel in your industry that you simply don't agree with and as soon as I asked myself that question and I've been in the marketing world for the last 10 years I had a list of like 50 things and I'm like, (laughs) I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this. And it really helped me to not only uncover my own thought leadership in this whole realm of building a brand using marketing strategies, but it almost gave me the permission when I saw it written down, like this is my rebellious idea. And yes, there are other people who believe uh, in what I believe, but at the same time, it almost gave me that permission to like, all right, now let it loose and share this with the world because this is who you really are. Like these are those ideas you don't agree with. Um, and hopefully you can connect with people and the right clients around this shared belief of how marketing as an industry has led you down the wrong path. So yeah, I'm really Mm. fond of that idea. (laughs) I love that so much. And it is, it's, it's so exciting because, you know, we can either continue doing things blindly or we can really step into like that leadership realm of like, this is where it could be better. This is how we could be better and do better. And it does take those people that are willing to kind of shake it up a little bit and, and take some risks and definitely upset people along the way. Cause you will like you, people hold on to tradition, like white knuckling. Right. And so it's like the willingness of what comes with stepping into new paradigms um, and being ready for some backlash with it. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about your leadership for a second. Did you feel like you always had this voice that you wanted to share and these like ideas around your thought leadership, or is that something you had to nurture over time? I definitely never saw saw myself like that. Like ever, ever. Um, I'm actually quite introverted. Um, and I don't really like, I, I'm not the type of person, you know, I get put in a space and I'll instantly be the one to start conversation or, you know, have a conversation circling around me or anything. I'm usually the one that's like, "Eh, I'll go stay on the side. I'll go kind of stay over here. So I've never really saw myself as, you know, um, like a powerful speaker or anything, but I love to share what I love. And so that kind I think for me, a lot of my leadership has just been about allowing myself to not hold back or hold myself back in regards to the things I love and care about and, and letting just my passion for that 
guide me um, and not question or think too much about it. Because even when I started doing a lot of speaking stuff or public teaching and, and speaking or writing or anything like that, it was always when I got too much in my head to try to be, I have to be this way that I lost the potency of even like my message. So it's always been trying to stay really embodied um, and not really worry about how it's going to be portrayed, but just get it out there. Mm -hmm. Is there any specific things that you do in a week or in a month to hone in on those leadership skills? I know you mentioned you like to obsessively research things and read, Um, But I'm curious, like, how do you become a better leader on a quarterly basis? Yeah, that's a good, really good question, because I have kind of like a daily and weekly practice that I really, really live by that helps a lot. Um, Every single day I write in some capacity. Um, Sometimes it's formal writing, like I'm writing an article or a blog or something that's going to be published. Other days it's messy just ideation, just like messy pouring out whatever's in my head creativity wise. So I do that daily. That helps a lot with language development and concept development. Um, And so I'm constantly refining my ideas through my writing process. And then um, I research constantly. So I'm always staying engaged in the topics I'm passionate about. So if I'm, you know, wanting to speak more about branding or speak more about, you know, service experiences for customers and community. I'm going to be like completely immersed in that content, researching, looking everything up I can so that that keeps me really activated, but it also helps me, um, learn where other people are so I can gain other experiences and perspectives. That way I don't get too trapped in my own bias, you know? Mm. So that helps a ton as well. Um, And then like with speaking, I try to do this kind of stuff or like just keep engaged in any speaking, um, speaking opportunities that I possibly can. So I'm always trying to make sure I have things on my schedule monthly that force me to use my voice, whether it be I'm like, I'm doing it for my own podcast or I'm, you know, lecturing in a a community space or something or what, what have you, I'm always making sure I'm practicing, Mm -hmm. like staying practicing. Yeah. I mean, we always hear that word with yoga, right? Like it's a practice, but it is the same with leadership. You can't just kind of retreat into your office and run your business from your laptop without, you know, stepping out front once in a while and plugging into different communities and sharing your ideas publicly just so that you can get good at communicating clearly like what this idea is. And that's where business growth happens. And that's where leadership growth happens is when you tell somebody else about your idea and then maybe they resonate with it, whether they agree or not, but then they're going to share that with another next time they're out talking to someone and they say conscious leadership, they'll be like, Oh, you need to message my friend, Natalie, or go listen to her podcast. Right. And that's how good ideas spread is by sharing them in the first place. And I think where so many early stage business owners kind of struggle with that is they think they have to have everything perfect in that starter phase and they don't want to share what they actually believe because they're so worried about judgment and about that one person who's going to say something, a sly comment at family Thanksgiving. Um, But how can we really understand whether you know, you're a business we want to invest in if we never hear who you really are, what you believe in as a business at your core. So I think that's great practice to show up in community, speak. You say you write something every day or create something every day. So it's a really gentle reminder to anyone listening that you have to work on establishing this thought leadership. And one of the best ways to do that is to create content. Yeah. Yeah. It's like cultivating your body of work. Like that's how I kind of see it. It's like 
stay consistently engaged in the cultivation of your body of work. So it's like daily practice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's not to say that like your body of work has to be a podcast. It doesn't have to be a YouTube channel. It doesn't have to be writing. Maybe you have a email list of 40 people and you send them like a little um, tip of the day. Like that's establishing yeah. your body of work because at the end of the year, you're going to have 365 tips that now you can create into an ebook. And um, I think sometimes we try to compare and think, well, I'll never be able to write blogs like nutritionist number 54. And it's like, you don't have to, right? It's figuring yep. out what lights you up and how you want to share your ideas. Totally. Yep. Why do you think it is that so many uh, early stage business owners, we'll call them, they feel like they have to be this perfectly polished, well-presented rather than just showing up as who they really are? Like, why is this a epidemic in business? Yeah, it, <laughs> it's so it's honestly sad because um, I think in a lot of ways we've kind of done it to ourselves. Um, we've put the pressure on ourselves so much to do that, that we just keep doing it. And then new people get in it and they're like, I have, it's just this cycle. Um, but I think a lot of it is also, this um, kind of playing into like society's definitions of what it means to be successful or what it means to be beautiful or what it means to be powerful or what it means to be wealthy or rich or whatever, where we have these kind of very skewed definitions of these things that we all innately as human beings want. Like those are basic needs and wants that we have in us, but we have a very skewed definition of them that now we're trying to like live up to them, mm -hmm. but they're not real. They don't exist. So then we perform and we, we set these like false standards um, of expectation. So I think that's a big part. It's just the narrative we are literally upholding through practicing these things. Um, but the other part that's really unfortunate is also specifically in the online business realm, marketing realm, branding realm, um, the image of like socially acceptable definitions of success, power, beauty, whatever, are what sells. It's what people get clicked on. You know, it's what it's what we're consuming and it's what we're doing. And so like to shift that, we have to shift how we consume, what we vote with, with every click that we click on, you know, and then we have to shift how we show up as as people, you know, and and give that real, real, not like the highlight real. Uh, so it's kind of like a practice of how we output, but also what we input. Mm, it's so good. I recently, back in January, I guess, I just did a full social media detox where I actually just unfollowed everyone. So now I just follow zero people on Instagram and it's been about a month now. So when I open my app, I actually don't get any content because when you don't follow anyone, they don't know who to suggest to you either. And it's been really nice to actually see who I've been seeking out their content. Like there's probably only six or seven people that I was really wanting to see their content and that I was really feeling lit up from reading their posts or watching their stories. And it's just been good to kind of get rid of all that noise and you know, just these people who weren't necessarily adding value to my life and who were maybe projecting on me that I had to be a certain way, that I had to, you know, have a certain type of aesthetic in my feed. So yeah. it's just been nice to kind of like give myself some space, similar to how you're on your sabbatical and just really assess like what, what place does this platform serve in my life, but also in my business, right? Because I think we have to balance that. Like, you know, can I run my business without being on social 24-7? Yep. Yeah, it is. It's like bringing so much more intent to everything yeah. because it's like remembering that like impact matters more than intent too of like if we're business owners showing up, how we show up ultimately impacts our community members and ripples out from there. But then how we consume as people ultimately is 
teaching our algorithm-based world we exist in what we want more of. So it's like we're upholding systems through how we show up and what we consume. So if we shift those things, we're going to shift the system. Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned something in your Q1 report that you see SEO as an important part of building your organic traffic. So now that you are taking an Instagram sabbatical on your personal account, have you been using SEO more as a lead gen strategy? Yeah, I, so I'm still pretty, um, very beginner level with how I work with SEO. Um, but I have been focusing on it more now than I ever have ever. Um, but one of the main reasons why I personally not only see it as important, but like I'm prioritizing it too, is the future of social media is not, um, it's not very secure right now. Mm -hmm. And so if we are wanting to build a sustainability driven model for our businesses, we have to shift into more sustainable practice that doesn't force us to depend on social media for business. Mm -hmm. And so SEO though is a fantastic avenue to take because then you're building more organic traffic, organic lead gen. Um, It's actually way way less work. That's what I've noticed as I stepped off social media. I'm like, this is so much less work, like focusing on other avenues of um, lead gen and, and business, you know, sustainability. So it's just kind of getting back to some of the um, more kind of traditional methods of business that don't require social media constant interaction. Mm-hmm. It's so true because on social media, it feels like it's never enough and it's always changing. Like you said, they're introducing all sorts of different features and it can feel kind of like you're drowning. Um, SEO for me has become the top driver of leads in my business. And I didn't even do anything intentionally with it. I've just been producing this podcast for three years and there's always a new blog post that goes up with the topics, with, um, you know, all the things we hit on with a lot of hyperlinks to people and places and things that we mention in the episode. And of course, all my topics for the show are business, marketing, community growth, um, you know, finding your purpose, passion, things like that. And just by nature of having these conversations on a weekly basis and updating the blog, a really good blog post to showcase your brilliance as the interviewee, that has naturally increased my SEO to a place that I never, ever could have imagined. So it's not that we need to be, you know, paying millions of dollars for somebody to do keywords, just produce really good content and do it on a consistent basis. And that is like the long game though, because... SEO does not work instant and people want that instant gratification. Yep. I think that's the biggest problem, even like further perpetuating that growth mania. It's this obsession with now, Mm -hmm. like you can grow your business on Instagram and you're going to get instant, you know, validation, even if it's really not producing business results though. Like it might be, oh, you had a post that really did well and now you're validated and you feel like you're moving your business along. But ultimately at the end of the day, what I notice is most people are spending a crazy amount of time on social media, building their business, but it's actually not producing the type of results that they could be producing if they actually scaled that back and generated more quality content, not quantity Mm -hmm. and just made life a lot easier with like SEO and stuff like that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you a question. I didn't plan on asking you this, but if you could kind of rewind your journey, like five, six, seven years, what do you wish you knew back then in relation to growing an online business? Mm, Um, honestly, probably that, There's so many things, honestly, (laughs) probably the number one that comes to mind is this concept of you don't, you do not have to depend on 
anything that maybe somebody told you you have to depend on in order to create whatever type of success you want, the most important thing to do is to define success for you and to to rally to move in that direction mm-hmm. um, and not get swept up in other people's wants and needs over your own. Because I think that's what a lot of it is, is we get caught in this trap of, you know, so-and-so's going after this need of, I think I need, you know, 50K months or I need this or I need that. So we think that's what we should go after and we want and need too. So it's like redefining all of that of what we actually need and what we actually want and how we want to do it. And that it doesn't have to look like anybody else's journey Mm -hmm. at all. Mm, I love that. That is a hot topic here on the Visionary Life podcast is smashing those milestones you feel like you're supposed to reach for or those beliefs that maybe your mom projected on you or maybe it was your first business coach that projected them on you and really like ripping those off and saying, wait, what do I want? What brings me joy? What impact do I want to have on the world? But it's funny because it's easier said than done. Like you and I have clearly both been through the journey of hearing a lot of noise from external people and maybe it projected onto us to the point where we implemented it and then you have to go through this motion of basically like unlearning and untangling like wait is this how I wanted to build my business or is this something that was projected on me or taught to me by somebody who has no business projecting (laughs) yeah totally Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, in wrapping this up, I'm curious, do you have a vision for where you want to take your business or are you just happy in this flow and in this space of, um, just kind of thinking and and honoring the process of we'll see where it goes. Yeah. I'm kind of living in between both because (laughs) one of, one of my kind of like patterns is I tend to, Oh, I have an idea. Let's go. Yeah. And like run, like start it right away, run full speed. I should have the whole plan mapped out and know every step. So I'm trying to not do that, but I still do have some ideas for like where I want to go. Um, this year I actually decided to dedicate this entire year to research, writing and studying, um, and building up some new channels, um, to basically kind of prepare myself to move more into, getting ready to write my first book that'll probably start this year and maybe even launch next year, depending on how it unfolds Um, and, and shift more into consulting and coaching on larger scales. Mm -hmm. So moving more into even potentially organizational and corporate level. Um, So yeah, just kind of moving into different directions beyond, uh, the space I have been in. Mm-hmm. So exciting. And uh, it's a fun place to be in where, you know, you've kind of got some entities working for you, but then allowing yourself that dreaming space and stepping away from the hustle of business for lack of a better word, and just saying, okay, like I'm going to give myself a little bit of space to imagine what's next and what else is possible because we got into business so that nobody was putting a box around us, but sometimes it can feel that way when you're trying to, you know, do things a certain way or just not giving yourself that space and that creative freedom. So it's definitely an awesome spot to be in. Um, Natalie, if people want to connect with you, where can they find you? How can they get in touch? Even though you're on your Instagram sabbatical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I would recommend just head to the website, um, nataliebright.com. I've been really loving spending a lot of time with very intentional newsletters. So I've been sending out some really juicy newsletters with tons of value, kind of taking what I used to do on Instagram and now it's actually in longer, more meaningful form in newsletters. So definitely check that out. That's awesome. Yeah. I will link that in the show notes so that people can go subscribe. And I just realized I'm not subscribed, so I'll go do that right after. Awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And I really, really admire your philosophies around building a conscious business. I think, you know, we need to hear more of this. So I can't wait to continue following along what you're up to and I would encourage everybody to just go check out your work and see what resonates so thank you so much Natalie yeah thank you isn't Natalie amazing 
three things I would love to double tap on and just reflect on from this episode. So number one is the parallel between nature and running a business. Just like the four seasons that we have in nature, as business owners, we also need to honor our personal transitions and seasons. Not every season is for hustle and grind and nor can it be without reaching burnout. It's okay to take a winter, quote unquote, in your business where you hibernate or rest or as Natalie calls it, ghost and coast. The second thing I want to double tap on is the concept of growth mania. I am totally going to borrow this term from Natalie because it's spot on to what we see and hear about when it comes to what it takes to grow a business and to be successful. Contrary to popular beliefs, this type of 24-7 strategy is not the golden ticket for all businesses and can actually accelerate your success because it pushes you to burnout and resentment. And when I say it can actually accelerate your success, I mean decelerate your success. Uh, And the final thing that I want to double tap on is... The fact that when we talked about is SEO, the new Instagram, and as you know, platforms like Instagram demand daily content from us as business owners, but have you ever taken a moment to check in on what your return on investment is? So I loved Natalie and I's conversation around how to build longevity into our business strategies, one of which includes investing time and energy into improving search engine optimization. Personally, I have seen drastic leaps in my SEO performance over the past few years. And at this point, most of my clients are actually finding me via a Google search. They're typing in marketing coach or Canadian business coach, and I'm coming up organically on the first page. So definitely a great strategy to look into. And I'm happy to help you with that. If you do need anything, you can just reach out. So there you have it. My episode with Natalie Bright. Be sure to connect with her at nataliebright.com and let us know what you thought of the show. And if you would like, screenshot it, share it to your Instagram stories. We love, love, love seeing you listening to the Visionary Life podcast. So I will see you next week. Thanks for tuning in all the way till the end. You are certainly a special visionary if you are still listening and I will catch you guys later. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Visionary Life. I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis. So it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.